0: Welcome to Equacity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Kabaya. This is part two of our conversation with Michelle Pugliel. Michelle is a canine trainer who I definitely love to learn from. Michelle is very systematic, which is something that I really like, and she's super creative. Many of you will know her from the Clicker Expo. She's one of the faculty, and you may also know her as the trainer who helped to transform the training from very traditional to clicker training at guide dogs for the blind. So she's the one who really started to look at, could guide dogs be trained with clicker training? Did they have to be trained with the conventional, the traditional way that had, had always been the case? And of course the answer is not only can you train them with clicker training, but they absolutely excel. So, That's what Michelle did for her day job, as it were. And for relaxation, she trained her own dogs in freestyle. So that's what we're going to talk about this week is canine freestyle. If you're not sure what that is, I suggest you Google Phantom of the Opera, Cabo and Michelle. You'll find one of Michelle's freestyle programs there, and that will give you a great idea of what canine freestyle is, and also you'll get to watch Michelle and one of her dogs performing. Last week, Dominique and I started out the conversation with Michelle with a long, long wish list of things we wanted to start with. We both had platform training on our list, so that's where we began. We spent the entire time last week talking about platform training and all of its many uses. For Michelle, the platform training is the foundation for the freestyle work that she teaches. So it makes a logical next next step to talk about the canine freestyle after looking at the platform training. Freestyle creates quite a challenge for the handler to solve, and that's really why I was interested in it. It's how do you build long sequences of behavior that can hold up under the pressures of performance. It doesn't matter if you work with dogs or horses, if you're interested in freestyle or not, we all need to link behaviors together to form longer sequences. This is something we all need to learn to do. So it makes sense to turn to someone like Michelle, who's learned how to do it, to create a long, very complex, freestyle performance. So, after you've Googled Michelle's Phantom of the Opera performance, you'll see what I'm talking about. You'll see both how complex, how long, how much fun these freestyle performances are, and you'll be all ready to appreciate even more the work that Michelle is going to share with us. So let's talk about freestyle for a little bit because the platform training is... A major prep for being able to create some of the freestyle moves. So, as you've got your dogs who are beginning to understand the platform work, and you are being able, you're beginning to be able to train some of the behaviors that you'll incorporate into freestyle routine. So, could you describe maybe, you've already described a little bit of the weave. I'm not teaching my goats to weave between my legs because they have horns. So Ouch. thank you very much. Yes, <laughs> that that's one I I will pass on. And most of us, our horses are too big for that behavior. But there are there are other uh, certainly there are some other fun things that can certainly where you can make that transition from creating the the core of this behavior using the platforms. Now I have this behavior. Now I want to begin to create a longer sequence of behaviors
1: right so if if you if you take a platform and you say to yourself what else can i do you can do a lot with them even if you don't do position training because what you can do is like i talked at the beginning is you have this tool that keeps them in that space right so if i have a platform that is big enough for my dog to do a circle on it, turn around, which is commonly called a spin. If I teach it on a platform, I'm gonna teach a very tight spin. So by having them on a large squarish shaped platform that they have enough room for the individual to turn around, I can teach a turnaround like nose going towards tail and making a circle, a full 360, I can train that really quickly on a on an untrained dog and it'll be a nice tight spin. I can also teach a backup really quickly because I can lure the animal off of the platform so that the front feet come off. And when I just stand there after they've swallowed, guess what they're going to do? They're going to go backwards and put those front feet back on their platform, and they're going to get clicked and rewarded for that. And then I'm going to take a free treat, and I'm going to lure them off two steps, just enough that the front feet leave the platform. After that is going really smoothly, it almost is like they're on a rubber band. The moment they swallow, they just Boing, they're back up on the platform. Then I'm going to lure and try to get one hind foot off so that that rubber band effect is when they swallow, a hind foot goes back up on the platform. Sometimes it's hard to get just one hind foot off. It's ideal if you can do that a few times because they never get disoriented because one hind foot is still on the platform so they know exactly where they are. But as soon as they're doing that well, you can just barely get two feet off, hind feet off, so that they back up to get on their platform. And I can actually create a target for them that, again, if they're thinking of me as what they're lining up on in front of them, I'm teaching them to look at my body and back away straight in front of me to find their platform and I can get further and further and further away. If I rush it too much, I probably am going to get a a disoriented learner because as they back up, they're naturally going to go a little crooked and they're going to miss their platform. So you have to be very cautious about how fast you physically get those hind feet further away from the platform the more steps they get away the more likely they're going to go crooked but if you've taught them how to line up on your body they know that the answer is to be lined up on your body to to go back straight so that's kind of a fun one to teach with the platform that's just because you have created such a joy in this magnetized dog that he can't wait to get back on his platform that you can teach them to back up to get on it. You can also very quickly teach running forward to go to it. So I love with my young dog. So my puppy's already done this. I got her at 60 feet where I can be on the other side of a training area and just send her to a platform that's way across that space. Really good confidence builder. And at the same time, the incentive to get there. And once they get there, that's delineated space keeps them confined while I come to them to reward them. Or I could use a remote feeder, too, at a distance work like that, too. Other things that I use platforms for with a new dog is I use it to teach the bow. Because often, especially with dogs, when you try to lure them into a bow, lowering the front end, lowering the head, you'll get them maybe backing up a bit or just moving off to the side so the platform itself again i want it big enough that they can comfortably do that behavior i'm going to prompt that is going to help me confine that body a bit while i teach them how to lower their front end so that's just a couple of examples of how you can take platforms and say you know wow Uh, another thing is you can direct them right or left so alex could probably put a platform right in front of her and she could put one maybe 20 feet off to the right of her and 20 feet off to the left of her and she can teach signals to teach the dog to go 90 degrees off to the side to to another platform so you can teach right and left Those are really cool things to do. And all of those don't take the months of positioning work, right? They don't take that. All it takes is that you've magnetized the animal to the platform so you have this really cool, exciting tool that you can use to do actually quite a few tricks.
0: And certainly with the horses, that's an incredible use for them, whether you're thinking of it as a mat, because, you know, mats will... Will have that same magnetic attraction, or you are using a platform because you want that extra that, that a platform gives you that magnetized to a, a, a station is so useful. I remember one of the horses that we, we had a, um, we did some platform with, and I videotaped her, and we did headlowering. And it was just fascinating to watch it in slow motion because you know, unlike Unlike us, so we have collarbones, but horses don't. So their rib cage is really suspended between their shoulder blades and suspended muscles. And when a horse lowers its head, normally they're lowering their head just to the ground, even with the bottom of their hooves. But when they're on a platform, they can lower their head below the level of their hooves. And when we watched her in slow motion, it was just fascinating to see her whole rib cage would drop down. And then as her head came up and she went into the pose, the rib cage would go up and then you could watch it go down and then you could watch it go up. It was like watching an elevator going up and down. Great therapeutic Mm -hmm. exercise for her. So
1: that's that's a really cool point you just made, Alex, about. you know, I'm picturing the horse up on a fairly high platform and it enabled you to do the head lowering before below ground level. That's really cool.
0: And it wasn't that high. It was, you know, it was just a, it was a couple of inches. You don't Mm -hmm. need it to be very high, but what a difference it made. It was, it was really fun and it was really fun to see it on slow motion. So Whatever direction you take with this, there's. Whenever you start playing with a tool like this, you discover so many, so many good uses for it. That's the exciting part
1: of it. And it also it also is really good at uh, doing like problem solving. So yes. I'll, I'll give you an example on the bow. So I had a, a client who had had unfortunately a lot of repetition history of trying to get a bow but the dog lay down because her lure looked so similar to luring the, the the dog into a down and she'd been struggling and struggling and it's just the dog's rear just went down immediately so i said well let's put a smaller platform on the back of this platform so now we have the dog's rear 2 inches higher than the front feet if you can picture that huh. so when she went to lure the head down to a bow the dog didn't even think of laying down because his rear was sticking up in the air yeah so it <laughs> it, it just changed his thought process enough to go I don't know if I can lay down with my rear in the air, but we wouldn't want him to lay down. So she was able to get a lot of repetitions in just by elevating his hind feet on the platform. But because he was platform trained, he didn't care. He was like, he walked onto the platform and the rear end of that platform happened to be two, three inches higher than the front end. Yeah. So
2: Michelle, have you, were you ever tempted to do freestyle with horses? Have you ever
1: done it? I have not. I played with my minis a bit, but I never actually put a routine together. Uh, Obviously, you have some limitations about some of the things you can do, as far as physically weaving is a really good, a good example, uh, things yes. like crawling, <laughs> you know, there are obviously some things that are out, but there's also some things that are more spectacular than with dogs. For instance, you know, backing up can be a very very dynamic, cool thing to see a horse do. A, a horse laying down and rolling over is a lot more exciting to me to watch than a dog doing it. But uh, no, I never did it. And in fact, I, I often got my uh, excitement up over getting around to doing it when I would go to a cavalia performance. <laughs> <laughs> but but and? but I never I never actually did. So
2: is it, but is there a reason why you you never you you would get excited about it but didn't do it? Was it about a a, diff, a way that the animals learn differently or?
1: Oh, not at all. In fact, it it had to do with time. <laughs> It it just had to do with uh, I was at a place in my life where I was I was still working full time and all of my spare time for training, I was focusing on the dogs and Mm -hmm. the horses. All my horses uh, had started to turn into uh, pets and pasture ornaments and I wasn't even having time to ride anymore. So I just it was just a time in my life where I had limited ability time wise to do anything that there was the dynamic of what would I do with it once I got it meaning uh, I when I train one of the reasons I've always liked the dog sport thing was it gave me a goal so it's like I was training for the purpose of performing these dogs at a freestyle event it wasn't it was wasn't like i was creating this performance and then i go well now what do i do nobody's watching it right so uh, mm. so i never really i think just took the time to do it i don't think it, the the only difference is the types of behaviors you're going to choose and obviously the physical space to work in yeah for the horses
0: i think where they really excel is in the lateral work i think the the lateral work when you're starting to look at you know, things like the shoulder in and hunches in and so on that that is and, and I hope I don't offend the dog people but I think it's much prettier in the horses it's much cleaner the bends are more tend to be more correct than you often see with the dogs and that's where they really would excel when you're thinking about some of the liberty some of the liberty acts and the freestyle acts
1: the fact that their legs are so long gives them the ability yes, yes. to cross their front legs and their hind legs yes, and, and yes. make it a more visual, right? So, yes. you know, you so the advantage the horse has is the length of stride they have, yep.
2: Yes, yes, and it's easier to see it. One of the big disadvantages, the surfaces we work on are not as, it's hard to toss treats in the sand, Yes. And for resets, and there's a lot of use in dog training where tossing the tree is super useful. Um, and because we work on these surfaces, we have to kind of adapt and become really good at throwing in buckets or. Um, but there may be other. I'm finding that, and maybe it's just my experience, but. I'm finding that the pace is different. The rhythm of training is different. Uh, it's slower with the horses, I'm finding. Did, have you found that?
1: I, I feel that it's harder with the horses to set up the situation to get a lot of reps meaning it takes longer to prepare for a session and how I'm going to do it because of the space I need and because of things like you said, Dominique, like the reward system, how I'm going to do it. I just find that unless I'm doing a behavior with a horse, that they hardly have to move their feet to do this behavior. Like it's the pose or it's ducking their head or it's picking up an object I put on the floor. Those go fine. But if because they cover so much more ground than a dog covers when you're doing something in motion, I do. I feel it takes more time to have a session as productive. I, I, but I don't think it's because of the intelligence. I just think it's the physicality of this right. huge animal and my limitations for how where I can move, how quickly I can move from point A to point B.
0: Well, the, I think the platforms are a good example of that because I use a lot of mats and platforms in my training, but I've used them very differently from the way that, that you use them, that I've seen you use them at the Clicker Expo presentations and in your uh, DVDs. So I was so excited when I got the goats because the goats are not only dog size. But they have some of the physical agility and flexibility that a dog has. So a, a horse is not a terribly plastic animal. They they, they don't have the the range of twisty turning things that that um, certainly that we can do and that a dog can do. I, you know, when I'm handed a dog on a leash and it's um, doing all these wiggly things on the end of a leash, and I say a horse wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Here, somebody take it That's from me. Right. Um, yeah, so. Um, When you have two platforms side by side, the way that a dog can can move its body very easily and quickly from one platform to another and flip its body around and so on. For a horse, that's so much more work and takes longer, but it's physically much harder for them because they're bigger and they don't
1: move in quite the same way. So exactly. It, exactly. Yeah. So it makes it a whole different, it's it's, totally just, different. it's just really different. Yeah, exactly. In
0: the same way that I would, I would much rather teach a horse uh, lateral work than to try and sort it out with a the dog. There are other things that are so much easier to teach with a dog than a horse. And it's the size difference. It's not, it's not the way that they learn. It's that one is big and the other is little, and bodies move differently in space.
1: Exactly, their their body parts, their body parts react and move differently for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and some
2: some of the techniques, like luring with, uh, with a with a horse, is very difficult because yes. you need a very long arm.
1: <laughs> yes, but but you can consider I consider luring a trained lure is a target stick right yeah, so, so you can yeah so yeah so I, I actually keep my target stick in the whole luring concept when i say i'm yeah, going to lure yeah. it i can lure it with a with a trained lure uh, and that works really good with horses i agree with you about holding but, food but you know you
2: know how you how you lure your your dogs to look up when you're behind them you know what yes. i mean you have yes. this movement where your your dogs are in front of you and, and their heads are looking up but with a horse you it's really hard cuz you know you, how can you be behind them walking behind them and have them lure like that their head up it's uh, you can't do it
1: well that you you've got but you also have the the look of that so if we take the look of that the dog is smaller than the handler so the dog mm-hmm. looking up as we do that reverse front move is very spectacular looking with a yeah. horse I would, would see look that weird. looking kind of weird because the horse is so yeah, much bigger I than I am yeah so to me look yeah, yeah, yeah. the horse, the, the horse looks prettier in a tucked head pose doing that mm-hmm. you know so right. the size right. of the animal that would almost like it, make it look like he's looking up at the sky or something instead of a you know in in some sort of like proportion to the handler it would just look really weird and it would be obviously easier to train a horse that you've already trained how to tuck its head and arch its neck beautifully to have it do that out ahead of you you know that would would look more more natural but you're right with the smaller Mm -hmm. the dog being smaller than the handler the uh the presentation of looking what looks like they're looking at nothing up in the air but it also they're trying to look back a bit at the handler and they actually can see the handler if they look up and back Mm -hmm. a horse wouldn't be able to see the handler if they did that extreme angle upwards anyway
0: that's true But, but let's suppose that I've now been working with my my horse my goat my dog for a period of time and I have some really cool behaviors that I have—I have taught this individual to back up in a straight line away from me. I've taught this animal to go around me on a circle at say a trot, and then to change gait into a canter. I've taught this animal to come uh, to me when I call. I've taught uh, a bow. I'm trying to think of behaviors that that would apply to um, both dogs and horses. And I've taught, I've taught him to walk next to me uh, in heel position and to come around in front. And I'm thinking, this is a nice little repertoire. I would love to put together a little routine. So how do I begin to assemble these individual behaviors into a routine? Of course I'm going to make you wait for this. It's a keys to the kingdom sort of question, so you wouldn't want me to let Michelle answer it for you now. It's so much better to wait so you get to enjoy the anticipation of the answer. So next week, Michelle will take you through the steps she uses to construct a routine. If you want to learn more about Michelle's training, go to her website, michellepouliot.com, you can learn more about platform training and she's got a great lesson series on how to teach some of the tricks her dogs are famous for. There's a lot of great material on her website. It's well worth visiting. And Speaking of websites, last week I told you about the stay-at-home virtual clinics that I'll be teaching. I have two scheduled for July, one in the Pacific time zone and the other that's going to be held in the Eastern time zone. That doesn't mean that you have to leave where you live. You can join us from any time zone you want. We're just moving the time zone around a little bit just to make it convenient for people on the West Coast versus the East Coast. The second one, the one in the Eastern time zone is going to be on rope handling. And I'm really excited to have that challenge. How do you teach good rope handling through the internet? That's what we're going to be finding out. So to learn more about the stay-at-home clinics, visit my website, theclickercenter.com. Oh, and one more thing. If you'd like more people to give clicker training a try, do please leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider. The more reviews a podcast gets, the more the Google search engine pays attention. The coronavirus is teaching us a lot about transmission rates. If you tell two people about the Equosity podcast, and each of them tells two people, pretty soon we'll have a global outbreak of positive reinforcement training. And that's a good thing. So, thank you for listening. Stay well, and next week we'll carry on with Michelle's conversation.